0: everybody ready let's get rolling
1: this is the big show on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
2: big show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone we're going to talk to chris mannix coming up here momentarily gordon from Sports Illustrated, it's your daily assist, and we talk to Chris each and every Monday. Curious his reaction to uh, to the Michael Jordan documentary, and we'll talk to him about what's going on around the rest of the NBA as well. But, uh, Gordon, after the first two episodes, are, are, do you find yourself more interested in uh, what's to come?
0: Yeah, because I, I'm, I'm hoping that there will be more exclusive information that we've that we don't really know about, and I didn't learn anything new from the first two, but but it was still interesting to me. I liked it. All right,
2: let's get it. Uh, let's ask Chris about it. Let's get to your daily assist.
1: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From Sports Illustrated, he's our friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, uh, you know, like the rest of the world, we've been talking a lot about uh, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, after two episodes. Uh, Chris, what did you think?
3: Uh, I thought it was really well done. Um, you know, the the access, of course, was great. It was, you know, thorough with the amount of people that they they interviewed. Um, you know, I don't necessarily learned anything new from it, but, you know, they, they began to tell the story of of a person i think that is they're you know, really one of the most complex you know executives in in basketball history and that's Jerry Krause. I mean, you know Jerry Krause was responsible for the demise of the Chicago Bulls in the late 90s, but i don't think you can argue that the Bulls as they were constituted wouldn't have existed without Jerry Krause. I mean, you know, from the '87 draft of of Navin Pippen and Horace Grant to the trade for Bill Cartwright to acquiring Dennis Rodman. I mean, you know, Jerry Krause was incredibly influential in um, in that whole process. But you could you could see one of my big takeaways from watching was just you know, this really was a complex guy with a complex relationship with that team.
0: When you saw the second uh, part of the episodes. Uh talking about Scotty Pippen and him, uh, Reinsdorf, essentially telling him, don't sign this deal. But he, given his situation with his family, Chris, he, he took the security over the, 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 the dollar figure. And, and then it didn't work out, really, uh, the way he had hoped it would. If you were Reinsdorf, would you have redone that contract just because you knew you were stealing because he was such a great player?
3: Well, I mean, I, I can certainly see both sides of it. Um, if you're Scottie Pippen, you know, you, in the last couple of years when you are so grossly underpaid, uh, you want more. But if you're Jerry Reinsdorf, I mean, if you overpay a guy and he flops, you don't get out of that contract. You don't get the ability to renegotiate down. So I can certainly see that. What, what I think would have been an equitable solution for both sides is something we, we sometimes see in today's NBA, which is, you know, a guy signs an extension, but does it for you know less than market value. And an example of that um, is Steph Curry when he signed his first extension. Remember, Steph for several years was incredibly underpaid compared to to players of his level because he signed, I think it was a, a five year, forty four million dollar deal or something like that, four year extension, forty four million, um, because he had ankle issues and he was you know anxious about uh, the future of his career. So. I think you could have found a middle ground, perhaps, where you get Scotty some more guaranteed money, but you also secure him for the long term at a rate that isn't the maximum possible dollar figure.
2: Chris, I found it really interesting when uh, they were (laughs) talking... (laughs) Excuse me, about uh, the injury that Michael had in his second year and how he wanted to come back and how he negotiated that with the the franchise because he so desperately wanted to win and make the playoffs. Juxtapose that to the load management era that we're in now. Isn't it interesting how much the culture, I guess, of the NBA has evolved?
3: Yeah, I mean, I found it, you know, and I, I had not, I didn't remember any of that from, you know, from covering, not covering, watching Jordan early. Um i you know I find it funny because I can't think of a single player in today's NBA that would you know go out on a team that was outside the playoffs look playoffs looking in at that moment and play seven minutes a half. I, I just can't even imagine you know that happening and and look maybe you know maybe because of the way things have changed, you would have instead of playing fourteen minutes per game, you'd have Jordan play like every other day, every other game or use rest and load management to 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 get yourself well, but I mean, that was kind of wild, like seven minutes and a half, really. That's, that's, and a guy's going to go out there and be willing to do it. I mean, I think that really was one of the stronger testaments to Jordan's desire to win, just for the shot, the outside shot of making the playoffs. And, you know, the reward, of course, is to go against a juggernaut Boston team and get detonated in the first round. Um, that really speaks to how badly he, he wanted to win.
0: You know, the irony to that whole thing, Chris, is that he ended up being the ultimate corporation, in, in, in himself. And now every NBA player or the, the top stars are corporations unto themselves. And so agents are trying to protect those corporations and and, mm. and be careful with their product and all that sort of thing. But Jordan had this this voracious appetite to compete and win. And he ended up being probably the most successful businessman the NBA has ever seen
3: yeah he he certainly capitalized on on a lot of his success, and I'm sure that we'll we'll see more reflections on that as as this series moves forward I mean he had a lot of smart people around him um that advised him and pushed him in the right direction but you know getting involved with Nike you know with the Jordan brand i mean these things they just transformed Michael from great player into you know unbelievable businessman and and those look he he, he was a great businessman, but you know, so wasn't Matt Johnson in those days I mean there were a handful of guys that they just got it. That, that figured it out that they could use their brand and their um uh, and their popularity to to become Uber rich and to, you know, create more wealth outside the court. And you know, they were really pioneers in that way that, that now nowadays it's common. Every player is their own brand. But back then it was it was Michael, then it was Magic and maybe a handful of other guys, but they, it was nothing nothing like it is today.
2: Chris Mannix with us here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, you were on that conference call with uh, Adam Silver last Friday. What do you think was the biggest story to come out of that conversation?
3: Well, I just felt like the tone was more pessimistic than some of the tone of, that I've heard Silver take in, in previous interviews. Now, he's always been very guarded about the, the possibility of playing again this season, but it was interesting to hear him say, like, You know, I know I said May 1st is, you know, uh, it sounded like I said May 1st was a day we could make some decisions, but there's a good chance that we won't be able to make decisions that first week in May. And look, every day that passes, every week that passes where, you know, this country doesn't have uh, a grip on on the coronavirus is just, you know, one... More nail in, in the NBA's proverbial coffin. I mean, that, that that they can't bring bring that this season back because, you know, Silver laid it out pretty clear what needs to happen for for the NBA to resume, and that's you know widespread testing, uh, a turning of the corner nationally, um, and none of those things exist right now. So look, we can all be hopeful that you know the federal government will get its act together and 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 things will change you know more significantly in the next month, and maybe it will, but. You know, I, I came away from that call not feeling optimistic at all about the NBA's chances of of resuming a season. I mean, they're 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 still at the point where they're not really seriously entertaining um, the idea of, of playing in a bubble or playing in Las Vegas or, or things like that. They're they're getting pitched all the time, uh, but but because of the circumstances, they're just not able to do it. So I I, I grow more pessimistic with with the with everybody else that, that this season is going to start.
0: You know, Chris, uh, I'm. Boards in a way. I know you do, Jake does we all do people out there want to get back to work, they want to do what they typically do, but of all the things that you've said, the the sentence that you uttered that just stays with me, and I think about it a lot is when you said my mom and dad are not expendable, and that 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 sentence stays with me even even with all this eagerness to get back to normalcy, whatever that is. But I can't get away from that sense.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, to to be honest, like I'm not anticipating having any kind of physical contact with my parents for the rest of this calendar year. Like, really, I I don't I don't think it's the right thing to do. I I don't I think that no matter. We just don't have enough information about, you know, this, you know, this virus, how it's transmitted, you know, asymptomatic people and how they transmit I mean, it's just, there's just not enough information out there. So, you know, fortunately, we live in an era where technology is what it is and, and FaceTime is great and, and all the ways we can communicate. But I just think it's crazy. If you have parents that are, you know, in their 70s or 80s, uh, grandparents, like, I just I don't see the upside in, in coming into physical contact with them until there's been some kind of medical breakthrough. Because, uh, I mean, look, it, it sucks that you can't do certain things, but... You know, you'd feel a million times worse if you contributed to, to the demise of somebody, be it your family member or somebody else's. So, you know, this is brutal. Like dealing with it every day. And, and look, I'm in the media business, and you know, I work at Sports Illustrated, and people have seen SI in the news a lot because of, you know, some of the, the the staffing issues that they've had there. But either way, it's better than than being dead or killing somebody. And I still think we're at that point where where that's a serious concern.
2: So you you mentioned uh, the the tone of Adam Silver and his um, you know hesitancy to to set any deadlines. He also talked about how revenue is down to zero. So do, was there I I guess was there a desperation in his vibe or does he think the the NBA, you know, will weather this, well they'll obviously weather this regardless, but did it seem like he was there was a panic there?
3: I mean, I don't know if panic is the right word, you know, maybe resignation could be could be a better word attributed to it. I mean, he's he's dealing with his realities. I mean, and he knows that you know this, this could potentially impact next season as well. I mean, if, if this virus comes back and 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 there seems to be strong indications that it, it will become seasonal, it's going to make you know traveling from city to city to hold games you know extremely difficult. And you know, look, we all kind of laughed at the idea of baseball quarantining in Arizona and, and conducting its season there. I don't know how baseball comes back at all in the next few months. I don't know how you travel with with teams, and you know, testing would have to be, make some exponential leaps in the next couple of months for baseball to even be viable. So I think that you know not only is is are people in the league office, Adam Silver included, I think slowly coming to a realization that this may be impossible. But there's genuine fear that you know into next year, a best case scenario might be playing games. In empty venues, that might be the best case scenario at this point because nobody that that I've talked to is is all that uh, enthusiastic or optimistic that crowds will be back in and in, in, in the stands at any point in this calendar year.
0: Chris, I've continued to write, and obviously Jake and I are doing the show. What is your life like now with these new uh, restrictions and directives?
3: Well, my 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 house here in Boston has. Turned into like two separate video studios, one that that Sports <laughs> Illustrated set up, and one that Dazone, who I work for for boxing, has has built for me as well. So there's still you know content being produced out of my kitchen, basically. And and look, there's still some stuff to write about. I mean, I've I've got a piece tomorrow, and I spent some time talking to Vince Carter last week, and you know I've got a piece on him coming out tomorrow, and. Now, there's there's stuff still in the pipeline that you can do, but at some point you know there's only so many stories on how guys are staying in shape and and what the next step is. You need games to come back, you need transactions to come back, you need you know free agency the draft everything to start kind of you know going into motion so it's it's certainly tough, but you know I mean I look i'm I live alone, so you know this is a whole lot different socially for me at this point I'm not uh quarantined with a bunch of kids, but uh it, it certainly is has changed things significantly.
0: Could you foresee the NBA draft being something similar to what the NFL is going to do this week?
3: Well, I know they're going to watch it. Um, I, I did think that the WNBA draft was kind of clumsy. I, I didn't, I didn't love that, that whole concept there. I mean, it's look it, it, at some point it is what it is, but you know, I think for a more high profile draft, like the NBA, you've got to be flawless with your execution. So I think the league is And I know the league is going to watch what the NFL is doing very closely and to see if they pull it off, what the viewership numbers are like, um, how it all works. I, mean, I just don't – look, you're just not going to be able to, you know, have a conventional draft this year. It's just not going to be possible, whether it's in June, July, August, whenever. So I do think they'll watch that NFL draft closely. And if it works out well, I don't be surprised if the NBA just, you know, copies it and does its own version at some point in the summer.
2: Chris Mannix with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Not to uh, come back around to the Michael Jordan documentary, Chris, but there was mm. kind of a, a fun Boston related nugget in there that people uh, kind of latched onto here as well because of the BYU Danny Ainge connection. But how about he and MJ playing a round of golf between games one and two of a playoff series and Ainge taking money from Michael?
3: I honestly when I I was gonna call Danny about that and, and write some but then I saw Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe did the exact same thing and <laughs> like I, I can't even tap him that. I really can't. Like I know guys, you know, during the regular season will meet up. Um, but it doesn't happen in the playoffs. Even in today's, you know, kind of you know, everybody's a former AAU teammate of somebody landscape and they're all been friends for such a long time. Um, I was really shocked by that. Throwing the fact that you're talking about two of the most competitive people that, that I've known or I've covered, you know, in Jordan, who's ultra-competitive, and Danny, who you guys know, is just you know a, a lunatic competitive sometimes when it comes to stuff. So that they would be out there, you know, playing golf the day before uh, Game 2 of a, a first-round series, I mean, that that was really a remarkable anecdote that, that they threw in there. And I just love that, you know, after Jordan, after getting his butt kicked on the golf course, decides to retaliate by saying he's going to go after Dennis Johnson uh, in the game, in the subsequent game. I mean, that was just... That was classic. That's what makes these docs. I mean, even if you are familiar with these stories, and and many people listening, you know, I'm sure are, because Jordan was such a big deal in the 1990s. I mean, this is stuff that that you just you just can't find anywhere else. I'm, I think it was just incredibly well done.
0: Forty nine points, and then he says, "Tell DJ I
3: got yeah. something formed him." Sixty three wondering like what else? Like what else do you have for me? Like forty nine. <laughs>
0: Damn. The other thing that really stood out to me, and I mentioned this to Jake earlier, was Larry Bird not exactly known for pouring compliments in every direction, uh, and yet for him to say that 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 wasn't Michael Jordan out there, that was God disguised as Michael Jordan. I, I thought that was a classic line from Larry.
3: Yeah, I mean, usually Larry's comments, you know, from you know from reading them in the past and even now. Um, they're they're fairly watered down, or they're they're put in a context like one of the greats of all time, or you know nothing nothing so explicit that it stands out in the headline. But it, it's like that that old phrase, "game recognizes game." And you know Larry Magic, you know controlled the first half of the 1980s, and you know both those guys knew the second they stepped on the floor with Michael Jordan that you know this kid had game, and you know they they, they were keenly aware you know, in ways that none of us could be aware. Of what was coming you know just because that's that sort of you know just completely relentless mentality and that that skill set that dwarfs all lovers that exists in the bodies of bird magic so when they see it they recognize it and you could tell you know from a latter's comments the level of respect he had for michael
2: well chris thank you as always for jumping on with us we always look forward to it you got it guys thanks chris Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us here on 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone. Gordon, uh, how much are you? Uh, what's your what's your highest losses on the golf course?
0: Highest losses. Yeah, how many how many ger
2: have you dropped on the golf course?
0: Well, I don't gamble really on the golf course. Um, look, it's bad enough when I'm playing. Okay, you're on the eighteenth green, right? Uh huh. And you're tied with your buddy. And you're playing for a freaking hamburger, you know, and then all of a sudden you get the yips and you miss the putt. That's bad enough. If I threw a couple K on a round of golf, I might hit the, I might putt the ball right off the green. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how I would do it with that kind of pressure.
2: Because hmm. hmm. I just assumed the the circles you roll in, that you guys were you know five ten grand a hole.
0: No no not not me i uh I barely even keep score anymore oh, but okay uh, but i do I do enjoy it and i I do need to get out on the golf course one of these times but uh you've you've gone out there I played yesterday did you really
2: yeah yeah I played four still quick nine how'd It was you great hit, how'd you hit them? oh terribly but i i I didn't care at all didn't care one bit didn't keep score <laughs> I was outside it was beautiful I mean it even rained a little bit didn't care didn't care one bit so nice.
0: That's and, one thing about this whole situation is I think that I think sometimes the loss of something makes you appreciate it more. And just being outside, looking up at the blue sky and being able to walk across the grass, it's amazing uh, how your perspective changes.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it didn't matter. I could have gotten a snowman on every hole. I would have gone home a happy man.
4: <laughs> Funny we, how your perspective does change. We huh? tried to fly a kite on Saturday and failed horribly and miserably. Okay, so what but happened? But I was still outside what, under the sky on green grass. Well, first of all, was it windy? Yeah, there was a wind, like Audrey uh, would say. No, no, wait, no, no, you gotta listen. I'm sure to me. glad
2: I wore that uh, long sleeve <laughs> on the field.
0: Do not. Do not try to fly a kite when the wind isn't blowing,
4: Austin. Tell us what happened. Oh, just long story short, both the wife and the daughter ended up bleeding uh, before <laughs> the episode was over by falls and trips and scrapes that they received uh, via the asphalt and a chain link fence. Uh, by the by way, word of advice, don't film your daughter while walking. Unless you're watching where you're walking, because then your arm might catch on a chain-link fence. Uh, but it was just everyone was crying and screaming, and I was uh, crying more than the baby or the wife before the episode was over. And yet we were outside, breathing fresh air. It was fine.
0: Did anybody end up with stitches?
4: No, no stitches. No, no stitches. Uh-huh. So it was worth it. If there were stitches, would it not be worth it? <laughs> Still worth it. <laughs> now, now, look. See, you wouldn't have to do <laughs>
0: Go out there when the wind's blowing, then you don't have to run around, not look where you're going, you don't run into a chain link fence, (laughs) See, you don't fall off and break your ankle off the curb or anything like that. She was taking
2: a picture. She wasn't flying the kite. (laughs) The
0: kite was me, and it failed. You just throw the kite in the air and watch it soar.
4: And you have how much experience with this? What? How much experience do you have with this? Oh, a lot. Do you? Oh, yeah. When's the last time you flew a kite? yourself uh that's been a little while but it was at the beach
0: where it's very windy and i hooked the the kite up to uh, my fishing pole and i told you this i just let that thing fly and it would took off flying and and i could uh let the let the slack out and watch it you know dip down in the sky and then reel it back in and it would zip back up real high it's huh. fun. All right. But the wind was blowing. I keep telling you, fellas,
4: the wind has got to blow if you're going to try and fly a kite. I'm, I'm sorry I brought it up. I'll, I'll pay attention from now
2: Well way. Getting a little windy on this show. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: it's true. True. But
0: there are some things that, you know, the dog won't fight. The kite won't fly if the wind's not blowing. I'm starting to take offense at this because I said it to Jake, and did Austin listen? No. He went out and tried to do it anyway. I don't think wind was his problem.
4: No, the, the kite was just a, a minor annoyance to the trip. The, the, the baby enjoyed the kite for the second and a half it dipsied <laughs> and dived across the sky uh, eight feet above my head, but uh, other than that, the, the kite was fine. It was just the whole outing was a mess, but we still okay, are so glad we did uh, it. So okay, one more time, just for clarification, who ran into the fence? <laughs> my my wife did, my wife and and she ended up bleeding. Yeah, she got a big old scrape on her had forearm. Yeah. Nothing to do with the kite. Nope, the kite was long. I had yeah. I had spiked the kite into the ground <laughs> eight minutes before that. Zero to do with. The kite. I'm not making that up either. I, I've Gronkowski'd the kite. Uh, right, so the sorry, kite was...
0: the kite is done for.
4: Yep. It now lives in the earth at that uh, elementary school's playground.
2: <laughs> oh, man. But but it was interesting to find out about you flying a kite on the coast of Bora Bora or wherever you were.
0: <laughs> no, it was in California. It was, it was on, on the sand there.
2: Off the 202.
0: <laughs> it, it, man, I'll tell you. Nothing like flying a kite on a windy day. It, I mean, it'll do whatever you want it to do, you okay. know, if, especially if you buy the right kind of kite. You buy a good kite, and uh, that thing will... will well, when it, money's it, no you, option with your kite buying, Jack. Okay. Makes <laughs> well, a difference. I mean, well, we, car, can't, we
2: can't all be Mr. Banks
0: over here. Those so. NASA great kites. About? This was just a cheap kite. It was plastic, but it, it flew. Mr. And Banks.
2: <laughs> you caught that one, did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, brother. Let's All go
4: right. take a
2: break. All right. Coming up next, <laughs> uh, some interesting comments coming out of the Mountain West Conference. And uh, their commissioner, Craig Thompson, will run those by Gordon. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This- is the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Oh, wow, you
2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at GetDivi.com. Gordo, out of the, you know, major executive figures in sports, who do you think has the best hair? Maybe not even major executives in sports, just executives in sports. Because I think there's only one answer.
4: What is it? Justin Zanuck?
2: Oh, there, there you go.
4: Dennis Lindsay? I was going to go with
2: Craig Thompson. Uh, he's third behind those There's two some, guys. He's got a fine head of hair. He does. He Always does. had a Best fine head of hair. Best hair money can buy. <laughs> right. Now, is, is, do you think it's actually his hair?
4: I, I do. You but do? But it's funny to pretend it's not. Yeah.
2: Gordon, what do you think?
4: That actually think Is that legit?
2: legit? Yeah. That yes. head of hair? I think so. I don't know. It hasn't really moved since the early two thousands. Who's
0: <laughs> who? Of everybody you can think of in sports, who has the most notable hair? It's got to be Don King, doesn't it? I think it's Craig Thompson. Don King, carrot top.
5: I
2: mean, who knows Don King? Oh, for you his said hair? in sports. Nobody.
0: Hmm. I I just when I think you know Don King when you see it. You know, I mean. Is he still with us? I don't even know. You're, I think so.
2: You're telling me right now you see a, a, a like a like a silhouette of Craig Thompson. You're not saying immediately like I know that hair.
0: <laughs> That's Craig Thompson. Well, it's a strong point it is, but uh, I still give Don King uh, the edge. I mean, I've never seen anybody whose hair looked like he was in a wind tunnel all the time.
2: Gordon, I, I I'm just messing around. I I don't think that Craig Thompson has the the best hair in all of sports. I wasn't really...
4: That's not the point of the the, the subject? No, or? I
2: was just trying to bring up Craig Thompson and tease him about his hair that hasn't moved in a while.
4: I think you guys are leaving <laughs> out Chris Anderson, the bird man. He had some good He had hair. some good
2: hair. Bob Costas's hair hasn't moved much. Now
4: there's money! Wow that, yeah, did you see that. that on
0: that thing last night when they showed him when his he was at WGN? <laughs> yeah, oh dude. man he' like he was 12. It
4: looked like he's, he borrowed that thing, thing from Ken Dahl. He still <laughs> looks
2: like he's 12. I was the only was I the only one thinking that okay his hair was definitely different back then but his face still the same <laughs> still is punchable <laughs> he
0: exactly the same the face. Only, yeah he did have the same expressions and whatnot the only the only thing that ever messed up his face was the was the eye. Oh, the pink eye.
4: It uh, ruined the whole Olympics.
2: It did. The whole games. <laughs> that's that's the number one most memorable
4: thing about the, what? I don't even know what Olympics that was. It the, doesn't matter. I think
2: it was the Sochi
4: Olympics, May, wasn't it? No. Well, it was before that, wasn't it? Not? Anyway. I thought it was Sochi. But, but that thing was oozing and dripping and falling. Oh, and... I can't believe they let him
2: go on air as, like, as long as they did.
4: You know what I think they should have done? They should have had him wear a patch. They should have read the Bible. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out.
2: Well, didn't it spread to both eyes before they, they... and then
4: Tariko had to come in,
2: yeah. Yeah, it was Sochi. Boom, nailed it. 2014 Sochi Olympics. Wow. Pink, the pink eye games. <laughs>
0: that, that, so that one thing, the studio host ruined the entire Olympics. Is that what you're saying, I, Austin?
4: Yeah, my eye's watering now thinking back to it. (laughs) Poor Bob. (laughs) Poor Bob Costas. Uh, Anyway, okay, Craig
2: Craig Thompson, back to the point. Now, I I think the Mountain West Conference is in an interesting situation because regardless, Gordon, the Power Fives, the amount of revenue that they're generating, and how exponentially it is higher than everyone else. I mean, I'm not concerned about the financial status of Ohio State. But the Mountain West Conference, that might be a little bit uh, of a different situation because they have to do – way more with less, compete on that same level uh, without the same resources. And the football season, of course, we've talked a lot on this show, you know, will will football, college football be able to happen? Will students be able to go back to school? Well, Craig uh, released a, a video through the Mountain West talking about a lot of this stuff. And, and this, I thought, was interesting, and I want to get your reaction.
5: The what-ifs, uh, you know, it's so hard we, we just uh, approved the college football playoff budget this week. Uh, it's it's somewhere around 16 to 20 percent cut. We're probably looking at a 15 to 20 percent cut in the operating budget of the Mountain West Conference, as is everybody. And, you know, we're going to be fine for this year from a financial perspective, but the, the unknowns are the challenges. You know, the NCA allowed uh, seniors in spring sports to come back and gain another season of eligibility. Uh, how are those scholarships going to be funded are they going to be funded and uh, you know we have we have several conference calls a week with our athletic directors and we're talking about all measures of cost containment cost reduction but everybody on a national sense I think we'll get through this year this fiscal if your fiscal year ends on June 30th in in pretty good shape although there are uh, financial losses but talking about what do we do next you know there's a there's a very simple so solution to everything. It's not a solution, but the, the matter of the fact is if there is no college football this fall, there's very little likelihood there will be any other sports because 85% of the revenue derived in college athletics comes from the sport of football.
2: Alright, try try a little bit to ignore the goofy music that they put under these silly vignettes for some reason <laughs> that they decided to include in a, in a press conference. But that last part right there Gordon, if they can't Nice, Austin. You
4: notice how was happy music? And then he's like, but if there's no college football, it's over.
2: (laughs) No, what about that, though? I mean, even if sports, college sports are possible in the fall, if college football doesn't happen, where the most people come to watch, obviously, if college football doesn't happen, then the rest of the sports aren't happening, at least at that level. I mean, of course, he's just talking about his league.
0: Well, I I, I don't uh, I hadn't really considered that. That's uh, is that true?
2: Oh yeah, the the college the NCAA sporting world is so reliant on college football Didn't
0: and college football basketball used to cost and... more than it, than it brought in. I guess the dollars have just gotten so outrageous in more recent times that uh, that 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 is the major fu- source of funding.
2: Well, well, think about it. This I mean, it, it's more expensive than it's worth if nobody goes you know, two people are going to watch UConn football, and so they're not going to continue that, right? But if you're packing, you know, let's just think about uh, I don't know, what, what is Utah, what's the capacity of Utah now, Gordon? 40, 45,
0: 46. 45?
2: I mean, 45 thousand people paying I don't know, $100 a ticket? It's probably a lot less than that, but to keep the math even, you know, how much how much revenue does that equal? I mean, that's That's pretty amazing, and that's on top of the the television deals that get so much publicity. The gate itself is is monstrous amount of
0: revenue. So how so? Would fans would fans be willing to show up for other sports just to keep the programs going? If 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 there was a solution, so that it was possible for fans to show up. Let me let me ask it this way: if you if you thought it was going to help the college. Athletic department that you root for, would you go to every so-called Olympic sport to help uh, to help boost everything up?
2: Uh, me personally, no, and the public at large, I think absolutely not.
0: Hmm. I I yeah. Well, then 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 that tells you right there that uh, they don't play college sports that necessarily for. Uh, for the benefit of the college experience for the athletes. They do it for the money.
2: I think it proves the exact opposite, that they're investing in these uh, other athletes' experiences even though they don't
0: generate revenue. I hate amateurism. Pay those college athletes. They're not doing it if uh, college football doesn't get played.
2: Because they can't afford it. That's his point.
0: Well, and that's that's my point, that if – if it's a prior if the experience is the priority because it's a part of going to college then uh, then then you find a way to get it done
2: what do you mean find a way to get it done they are finding a way to get it done they're taking revenue from football and putting it into diving are they going to they're going to plant football, a money tree and be like hey the diving program <laughs> is saved
0: Okay, so but the reason they do football is because it's profitable.
2: To fund the entire athletic program. And to not, make a because, something extra not because not because What do you mean make something? Who in this scenario is making something extra?
0: Coaches. Administrators.
2: Administrators aren't making something extra.
0: Uh, did you do you know how and much Mark is making at the University of Utah? And coaches are the ones in this scenario
2: responsible for creating, maintaining, and exceeding. <laughs> you know, uh, in a program that is generating the revenue for again the diving.
0: Team. Okay, then how about how about you do this? You you you, you ratchet sports back to what the the, the, the they sh- probably should be, and that's the local schools all playing each other. And limit the expenses, and uh, don't don't fly teams all over the country to go play teams that they don't need to play.
2: Well, and we talked about this a little bit last week. That is uh, an option that that some folks are throwing out there, uh, in you know, to temporarily try and buoy some of this. But I mean, you know, how far is nickel and diamond going to get you if you are the Mountain West Conference? Again, I I think the the P five leagues are going to have less of an issue with this. But I mean, we heard Adam Silver uh, talk about it on Friday, Gordon. That their revenue is down to zero. They're not producing anything. I mean, nothing. So if wait, if wait,
0: wait, wait, who said that? Adam Silver. Well, uh, I think they probably have a pretty deep, a deep uh, stash of money somewhere to uh, get themselves by.
2: And what about uh, this country's um, secondary education system? Do you think that uh, these universities have said money?
0: uh I think they have uh, uh well you don't think uh certain universities have uh deep pockets
2: um it depends on what your definition of deep is but well, well I let's, mean, uh, let's... Look,
0: look at what the endowments are for some of these schools i mean there's a lot of money there now i understand they also are investing that in the in doing what they should do namely educate people but uh i i think they're uh Many schools, maybe not every school, but many schools do have uh, some cash available.
2: I, I just think it's it's easy to say that, but I, I think reality, and I mean, especially listening to Craig Thompson right there, I think reality is, is something else entirely. What if you're what if your Colorado State who who did this over the last five years has made this big emphasis on keeping up with the big programs because they want to be included in the P five eventually, so they've invested in stadium and facilities and all this stuff, probably, you know, stretching their budgets as far as they can just to keep up and compete, and now everything's ground to a halt. What are they to do? Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah there are definitely cases where it's fairly dire, but There are also cases of these universities having these endowments that uh, are substantial.
2: But it doesn't sound like in the Mountain West case that's going to save any of the fall sports if football can't go. Or any of the sports next year. You heard him say that the financial year goes through with the end of June, right?
0: Isn't that one of the reasons that uh, schools have emphasized football? Because if they do that, then not only does it generate income, but it also generates donations. Right. Which which helps everybody in the athletic. But nobody court. really is all that eager to donate for the volleyball team.
2: No, and I don't expect that to change.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, it does. If it if it's uh, in the Mountain West, that that number surprises me. Eighty five percent, really? Is that what he said?
2: That doesn't surprise me at all.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know what they're going to do. What are they going to do? Cancel? they're going to cancel seasons
2: that's what he said
0: all right well uh, i don't know what to say to that uh is there a way they do it cheaper
2: well i you would hope that that's what, exactly what they're going to investigate but it's just another example out there the, there's a lot on the line and i think a lot of us could feel for you know it it would really stink if um if the situation was available that you could pull off say you know a golf season or something like that but it's canceled because the revenue isn't there you know
0: yeah, yeah. that stinks yeah especially for these athletes who have uh who have certain intentions and certain goals and what are they going to all do i i don't know what they're going to do what happens what if you have a young tiger woods you know and he's aspiring to Continue his career and then you have this kind of interruption. I I don't know. You just go out to the golf course and practice on your own?
4: It is one reason why we're seeing these high schoolers uh go to the G League rather than even play yeah. around with hoping that a college basketball season can go.
2: Yeah. All right, coming up next we have the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned. It is the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and twelve eighty of the zone.
1: Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Call 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850 and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on the Zone Sports Network it's time for the not sports report brought to you by the LHM used car supermarket over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory shop online lhmusedcars.com. used cars.com Gordon where
0: are we going today well we're going to Florida we're going to Jacksonville specifically <laughs> okay but before we get there let me say let me say this the folks who are out there protesting in in masses you know, saying they want, they, they want their freedom, they want America opened up again and all that. Do they really know what they're doing? I mean, it seems to me like if you're going to have that kind of protest, shouldn't you go out there and stay six feet apart from each other and follow certain directives to make your point instead of all glomming together and then putting people at risk that way? Doesn't that seem kind of counterproductive?
2: Yeah, but if you're really protesting something and you do the exact opposite, isn't that what getting your message across does?
0: Yeah, it also gets a bunch of people sick.
2: Doesn't it? I I don't know, Gordon. I'm I'm for people expressing themselves in this country. Maybe should be smart about
0: it. I don't know. Yeah, I think they should be smart about it. However, there is one good thing that led, that came about because of uh, something that was... Opened up in Florida, the beaches around Jacksonville were reopened in a limited sense for things like jogging, walking. You know, I don't know, maybe flying a kite if you feel so inclined. Making so a they human own pyramid. So <laughs> probably not a good idea right no, now.
4: No, okay. Am I not supposed to be flying kites right now?
0: I think you're okay to fly a kite oh, as long okay. as you stay away from everybody. But anyway, I, a man, a Pennsylvania man, who was wanted for murder in uh, January, uh, was actually arrested, apprehended on a, on at Jacksonville Beach. He was out on the beach in swim trunks, uh, decked out in American flag decor and whatnot, but uh, he was spotted on the beach and promptly arrested. So... I just think that it's smart maybe for a lot of people not to go to the beach. But this guy in particular, does that sound if you're wanted for murder, should you be out, you know, just, uh, you know, taking in the uh, the surf and the salt and the sand?
2: Well, you probably shouldn't have committed the murder in the first place. That's yeah. where I think I'd start. <laughs> I'm not I'm start. not I'm not here to give, uh, you know, wanted murderers advice on how to lay low. <laughs>
4: But two rungs do not make a right. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. that's
2: true.
0: <laughs> exactly. But in this case, it was good that they opened up the beach to uh, in order to apprehend this guy. So what they did is they sort of smoked him out.
2: Wait, how did they? How did they smoke him out?
0: Well, they made the beaches uh, available, and he couldn't resist. So he went out in his trunks and was uh, was walking around in the sand. Well, that's better Got than him.
2: lighting his house on fire, I guess.
0: <laughs> anyway, I don't understand people who are protesting the way they are. They just uh, and even Fauci has come out and said, look, it, it, it's going to backfire if people all go out there and just ignore these these directives, these warnings. It's going to backfire and it's going to make things worse. And if they, it makes things worse, then it's going to make everything worse. And then what does it do? It's just like he said, it's going to backfire. It's going to slow down the recovery. Right
2: unless uh, some sort of revolution happens first gordon well
0: uh i, I don't know anyway
2: <laughs> i don't know i'm with you man i just don't know i don't know how i, mean, right I th- to sure. think i
0: would trust a good doctor on that you know and i know there's pressure that's coming maybe political pressure i don't know i don't mean to make any kind of political statement here i'm just thinking about what's best for our country and i know and i'm not even going to i'm not even going to belittle the fact that there are or minimize the fact that there are people out there hurting. I get it, who 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 need resources in order to keep their households afloat, and they want to be able to to work to 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 make some money. But as far as the general health of our country, man, people need to be careful out there right now. This is a very dangerous situation. So uh, I I I think people really need to rely on the science rely on the medical data uh, i think they are learning as much as they can at a fast rate about this thing it's uh, starting from scratch in a lot of cases and you can make the argument about whether the country should have been better prepared than it was but uh, as far as the situation we're in right now we don't want to make it worse uh on our way to making it better uh, i want to make it better as fast as possible just
4: my thought. Speaking of making things better, just real quick, uh, a tease of the movie zone. Uh, The Batman. They haven't made enough of those movies, right? Are we all in agreement (laughs) there that they need to make more Batman movies? Well, the Robert Pattinson Batman has a new release date. It was going to be June of 2021. They've moved it to October. They're blaming it on coronavirus, but really what it turns out to maybe be is this is going to be the first time that a Batman movie has ever been in the theaters during Halloween, and they think they can capitalize that way.
2: Is this uh, is is what's his name from Goodwill Hunting? Is that this Batman?
4: Ben no. Affleck? No, he quit that. He's no longer Who's doing Batman, Batman now. Robert Pattinson. Oh, from Twilight.
2: Oh, that guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm not okay. going to see that.
4: So speaking of making things better, they they aren't. They couldn't doing find that. somebody better than him. Uh, they didn't ask me. Gordon, you, they give you a call. No, I was not consulted.
0: You both. Nor was I be offered better. that job. I thought, you know, the fact that I might have a good shot at it as long as I'm wearing a mask.
4: Yep, 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 yep. I mean, isn't that how? You got Michael
0: a couple Keaton, things in common. Isn't that how Michael Keaton got uh, the original Batman, or at least not Adam West, I guess was, the original, but he was the first one in the movies. And because when they put the mask on him, it really looked the way they wanted Batman to look.
2: I thought it was because he and Tim Burton became buddies on Beetlejuice. And <laughs> That's he, exactly he uh, cast yeah. him as yeah. Batman.
4: And he liked his work on Mr. Mom.
0: I, uh, I, as a part, you know, Austin and, and Jake, that my family has been watching a movie every night uh, through this whole thing. And we've really covered a lot of territory. But we did make it through those three Batmans, uh, as I mentioned last week. And it made me wonder I I can't even remember what the Michael Keaton Batman movies were like were they were they any good
2: Yes they were the best They were in my opinion They were better than the third installment of that particular series I I think the what is it the Dark Knight the one with Heath Ledger the best single performance I think was might, that yeah Or might be the single best Batman movie You think
4: so Well cuz I, I mean, like the Keaton ones yeah
2: the Keaton ones, which were what the first two Tim Burton ones. Yep, mm-hmm. and then the the third one. Forget was about, Kelmer, yeah, got forget a about Kilmer. forget about Kilmer. Forget
4: about Clooney. Forget about that whole time. Yeah.
0: And who was the best villain? Are you going to give that to Heath Ledger? Okay, let's yes. let's just hand that over. Who's the second best?
4: Jack, same character, right? I didn't. I didn't hate Jim Carrey the Riddler. Yeah, that just... and I like Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Danny DeVito was well casted, but I, I did one? not like Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze.
2: Well, that movie, there was just nothing redeemable about that. About that <laughs> who was movie.
0: Batman in that one? That was
2: Clooney. That wasn't was Clooney. It? Yeah. yeah. Was it? And I, in fact, I just or read, Kilmer.
4: Ah, now I can't remember.
2: I just read an article that that movie killed uh, Alicia Silverstone's uh, desire to be an actress. She like <laughs> she like quit the business after that movie. It was and such went a, a little crazy. A bad experience for her. Uh but I like okay. I liked the Tim Burton um, Michael Keaton ones those those two were really good.
0: So let me but you know I go back to the TV series back in the 60s and when when Batman and Robin were climb you know they were pulling on the rope as they were climbing up the side of a building it was so obvious that it was just turned sideways you know that, that was a campy a rendition of the whole thing with all the POWs, you know, all the the, the fight scenes and whatnot. But uh, wait, look, answer me this question real quick: What is the best superhero movie of all time?
2: Oh, let's see. Best superhero? I mean, considering the genre has exploded over the last decade, yes. that's, there's a there's a lot of options out there. What's
4: the best of the bunch? Uh, I've always liked Batman. Because he didn't have magical fake powers. True, he was. Didn't just they rich. ask? Uh,
0: the, didn't they ask the Ben Affleck one when he? They said, "What's your superpower?" Right. And he said, "I'm rich." Yeah, yeah and that's
4: uh-huh. <laughs> earlier when I said you guys have a few things in common. I was referring to. Wait, wait, wait. What uh,
2: was it? A TV show or a movie where uh, David Putty played the uh, the Tick? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Do you know what he I'm did? talking about? Patrick Warburton. Yeah, he, he played the Tick. He played the Tick. I know what probably the worst was, and I've never even seen the movie, but what was the the, the Nick Cage superhero one where he had a motorcycle?
4: No Ghost Rider? Yeah, that had to be Oof.
2: the worst, right?
4: You're right. Uh, it was a one season TV show The Tick starred Patrick Warburton. I'm gonna watch this tonight. <laughs> Why did it was only one season?
0: Which was better, Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel? The most recent renditions?
2: Yeah, Both were pretty good, actually, I thought. I, yeah. I was really pleasantly surprised with the Wonder Woman movie. I thought it was really good.
4: I preferred yeah, the Captain Marvel one, but they were both great. Yeah, like they both said. were really the, good. The Wonder Woman 1984, which will come out this fall now, it got pushed from summer to fall. That looks pretty good, though. That might, that might be even better than both those. Hmm. All right. I've wasted too I'm, much time, sorry. What's I'm the not worst really cast
2: super, uh, hero or uh, comic book character?
4: Tobey Maguire as (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man? Or Topher Grace as uh, the the villain, the the Venom guy, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, Robert
0: Downey Jr. was fantastic as uh, Tony Stark.
2: Wait, what was? Uh, who was the original Hulk? Where the movie was so bad, they just pretended like it didn't Lou exist. Lou Ferrigno? No, 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 no. In the most recent Marvel runs, there was a there was a version of the Hulk that not was- not Mark Ruffalo. That was no, it was the one before that. The movie was so bad. Oh, is Edward Norton? That That's the, right. The yeah. movie was so bad that they just pretended like they didn't make it. And then moved on with the Hulk character.
0: Yeah, that, that might be the
4: right. Wasn't mantra.
0: there? Wasn't there? Was Eric? Uh, how do you say his name? Eric Bana? Wasn't he? Or what was that guy's name that played it with uh, Jennifer Connelly in the Hulk? The oh, d-
4: the guy from the Passion? No, Jim Caviezel. Is that who you're talking about? No,
0: I can't remember. Eric, who it was. Eric Bana played the Hulk. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I'm getting. My, I'm getting.
4: Wasn't my he, the guy from then. Chips. Oh, he did play
2: the Hulk in 2003. That might be the one I'm talking about. Where the the movie was so bad, they just pretended like the it Ed didn't Norton exist. Ed Norton
4: one was terrible, too, though. Mm. I,
0: I anyway. didn't even remember that Ed Norton did that. Mm.
2: Let's see. Hold on. Ed Norton Hulk.
0: But you got to admit, Robert Downey Jr. was fantastic in Iron Man, didn't you think? I yeah.
2: liked him yeah. better in uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> which I managed to catch on uh, TV the other back, night.
0: Back to School, really? But did he play his son? <laughs>
2: No, no, no. He played his son's friend. Okay. Kind of the All anti-establishment right. guy.
4: More of not this on the movies on this. So,
2: week. Kurt Vonnegut's uh <laughs> appearance in Back to School might be my favorite cameo of any movie.
4: We are so late. Let's go. We're talking and did Back you, to School. Did you
2: know that the original Hot Lips Houlihan from the Movie <laughs> Mash was also in Back to School?
0: Oh man. That was what was what's her name?
2: Uh, Margaret Houlihan, but uh, the
4: actress's name? Yeah. Hold Jake, on. you would watch a lot of Matlock, now that I come to think. We were talking about that off air. We were talking. I, with a M.A.S.H. reference. Uh, Loretta Swit.
2: Oh, no, she was the TV she was in M.A.S.H. in TV series, yeah. Let's
4: see, I need movie, not, uh... She's a pretty well-known actor. Um, Speaking of M.A.S.H., Bowler for a whole hour tomorrow. Uh, Sally Kellerman. Yeah, Kellerman. Yeah.
2: She was also in Back to School. What was his dive called? It was called The Melon Something.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry to admit that I saw that movie way back when it came out. But uh, it's, uh, it's blurry a little bit right now looking back.
2: All right. We'll have more coming up next. In fact, uh, we'll get to these comments from Mark Madsen, who was on with DJ and PK today, talking about uh, behind-the-scenes locker room stuff. Don't miss it. We got it next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You
0: don't want to be bouncing javelins off people's melons.